It's footy and frothy is an early Tuesday edition, 13th of July, 2021. Daggy, Barney and Ollie with you. Looking back on all things from round 17, the abbreviated round, as well as a, a quick touch on the news. Uh, Ollie, how are you travelling, buddy? Yeah, been all right. Um, other than work and lockdown, there's not too much else going on. Mainly just looking forward to the Saturday nights with you boys where... We, we, we sit around over Zoom, oh, sorry, or StreamYard now and have a few drinks while we watch the footy. And Barney Boy, how's the week been? Yeah, mate, exactly the same as last week. It's, COVID will do that, a bit of a carbon copy. So, yeah, just getting, doing my best. Uh, yeah, you, well, you, I saw you, <coughs> you mentioned that you might have been through the eastern suburbs. I'm sure they're all locked down and safe. No, mate, there was a million people on the street and three quarters of them were wearing a mask in the middle of Bondi, which is great. Let's get an early early slap out, honestly, all those wankers. Just stay inside, wear a mask and do do a favour for the rest of us because I'd rather be at the pub right now. So, um, yes. Yeah, so come on, please. Anyway, uh, let's get into some footy news. So I guess the big news of the week is as a result of lockdown, uh, the comp's being moved to Queensland for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, Ollie, did you have the list of who's staying where? I saw they've also announced today that uh, there'll be a couple of double headers. Uh, yeah, well, just on the double headers while I get the um, while I get the list up, I think it's a, a good silver lining. I would say out of a, a shitty situation, hopefully that encourages um, bigger crowds than you'd expect. But the interesting thing is, you know, Queenslanders like to go on about how it's the heartland of rugby league. Queenslanders are so passionate about footy. Obviously, they care about Origin more than us. So if they care so intently about rugby league they should be going to the games that their teams aren't playing in, right? Now that the league is in Queensland, you know, Brisbane got their magic round because they're so passionate they need a a week of rugby league. I'm expecting big crowds, actually. Um, I thought Brisbane got the magic round because they paid shitloads of money to have a tourism event. That's also a possibility. Um, I've got the list now of the hubs, if you will. There's three hubs. The Sunshine Coast Hub um, houses the Roosters, Panthers, Knights and Seagulls. The Brisbane Hub hosts the Dragons, Sharks and Tigers. So you two boys, you're you're sharing a hub in Brisbane, your teams at least. Uh, And the Gold Coast Hub. <laughs> the Queensland, uh, sorry, the Gold Coast Hub, Parramatta, Kennery Bankstown, South Sydney, Canberra, and New Zealand. Of course, the Titans are included in that Gold Coast Hub, Brisbane in the Brisbane Hub, and the Cowboys and the Storm will travel in and out on charter flights, I believe, for away games. Um, so, Bud, is there much to really talk about here beyond what's been crept on about for two days? Uh, they're going to stay in a bubble. They're going to hopefully behave and can to keep the comp going as best they can, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a financial struggle for the NRL. Um, as it was mentioned, it's going to cost them tens of millions of dollars a week, to, especially if they bring in family and all the support staff and all the rest of it. It's going to be a massive logistical thing that they're going to have to get together. You've got all your broadcasters on top of on top of what we've already mentioned. So, it's um, yes, there's going to be some busy men in the top of the NRL for the next month or eight, possibly eight weeks, realistically, depending on how long this um, 
COVID rubbish goes on in New South Wales. So it's a massive job. And I saw some mention that some players may, might not enter the bubble straight away or might abstain uh, for various personal reasons, which I guess is understandable to an extent across uh, a, a whole competition of, uh, I believe, what, nearly 500 people entering a bubble. Um, does it really, the way you'll approach the rest of the season, boys, does it really change your thinking on anything? Not really. I mean, we might see a team possibly go on a, a bit of a run during the bubble, and I guess we'll look back at it as it as the the MVPs of the COVID bubble or whatever. But and th- that'll probably be a bit of a, a lower table side, and it won't really impact the the top sides too much. We're still going to doesn't matter where it's being played. Melbourne and Penrith will still be the two teams in the grand final, in my opinion. I just want to get a, a, a I guess my slap out of the way early here. Because on the way home from work, I was listening on the radio. I believe it was Mark Levy. If it wasn't, um, then I apologise. But it was someone on the radio and they were talking about, oh, there's these talks of players who don't want to go and they're, they're talking to the NRL about not going. You know, you must be joking, you know. It, you know, if I was one of them, I'd be on the first charter fr- flight to Brisbane, you know. They're getting exemption so that they can go. Well, these players have families. And he actually brought up an example. He's like, if he's well, if they're talking about families, if someone has a pregnant wife at home, they better go so they can support their family. I'm thinking, well, if, someone, if a player has a pregnant wife that's near their due date, they're probably not going to want to go because they want to be there for the birth of their child. Like some things are more important than rugby league. Whether you believe players should be taking a pay cut if they don't go or shouldn't be getting paid if they don't go, whatever, that's a whole other thing. But to criticise players for not wanting to go and for maybe having some reservations about for some leaving their families for at least a month, who knows how long, leaving their homes for at least a month, who knows how long. I think that's a, that's a slappable offence in my book. Yeah, any thoughts, that's pretty fair call, I think. Oh, no, as I said, mate, like if, realistically, if there's a reason for somebody not to go, then that, that's got to be fair enough. Um, you know what I mean? Like if player welfare comes into it. As I said, I probably wouldn't be going if I had a, a baby due in the next week or two. No. Um, obviously, if you can join up later, then that's um, obviously that's something they're going to have to work through. But um, there could be a few teams disadvantaged depending on who, if the you know, if you get two or three people out of one team that don't, don't, don't go, that could uh, make their list a little bit weaker. So we'll um, just have to wait and see what happens. I uh, imagine, yeah, I think those ones, and I know it's nowhere near a a majority or even a minority that um, Barney, can you turn your phone off? What's going on there? Uh, The nowhere near a minority that um, is even, I think it's a a handful of players, and I think one mention was Aaron Woods just because a baby's due very soon and, and he's no way objecting. He just wants to be, know the deal for getting in and out. And I think that's, that's a, on a case by case is fine. So I have no real issues with any of that. Uh, and I haven't really heard a lot uh, of people be vocal against it. I saw, I saw Sean Johnson's suggestion about New Zealand and uh, I guess we can quickly touch on it because it's not going to happen, but uh, I'll be all for the idea, I suppose, if it was a, the only time that would work though is if it was a, uh, specified time. So if you knew it would be three weeks, then that's fair enough. I think it's too big a thing to try and have a, an open-ended time frame to, to try and up and get everyone over to New Zealand for potentially the rest of the season. Any thoughts? 
Yeah, well, there are more logistical complications with moving the competition not only to another state, to another country. I dare say it would cost the NRL more than shifting the competition. So while it probably could be done, it's more complicated a process than moving the competition to Brisbane. I get why players would want to do it, and I I get the reason for doing it, obviously, to give back to New Zealand um, and you know, you'd get crowds there and they'd have the potential for 100% capacity, which I think they still can at the moment in Queensland. Uh, but, yeah, that that's the overarching thing. It's literally easier to move the comp to Brisbane and I dare say costs less money. Yeah. Uh, Barney, any thoughts? And nothing we need to add there? No, not really. Um, I did hear uh, Vossi actually mentioned earlier, I think it was either today or yesterday morning, about just about the um, the broadcasting over in New Zealand. He doesn't – he's done a bit of work with um, the Sky Broadcasting over there in New Zealand, and he doesn't think they'd have the resources to be able to do it. So they'd have to start bringing well, trucks and vans yeah, and stuff so as well. All of a sudden, which, 500 bubble becomes 600 or more. By the time yeah, I love the idea of um, giving them a whole heap of home games next year and possibly a magic round or something like that because they do deserve some sort of payoff for you know the two years that they've spent over here. But yeah. I don't think they'd be able to do something like that for six or eight weeks at a time. I'd, I'd be fine with even all of round one being played there next year, um, whether yeah. that's foreseeable. But uh, they might want to, you know, I know the NRL probably want a hard launch here, but round one or two, make it New Zealand round. So thanks for the last two years. But, uh, yeah, I think we've covered off pretty well what the other forks, the potholes in the road that might prevent anything like that. Um, do we need to talk about Jairo? Uh, hot in the heels of well, – I'll get my peanut out of the week out and possibly my slap as well. I haven't decided, but honestly, hot in the heels of the Dragons seem to go and do something dumb like that uh, is, is pretty ordinary. Uh, and shows a distinct lack of any common sense, uh, or really and respect. And respect. Oh, respect's the bigger thing. So, uh, there's my. We'll get my peen out of the week and salute uh, and slap of the week out there. Uh, anything to add? Uh, well, just the the sheer multitude of the peanuttery, because not only is he breaking COVID protocols, he also is allegedly. I want to say this is alleged. This part of the story is not confirmed. The credit card he used to pay for the services he received was allegedly the same bank account as his wife. It was a shared bank account. Therefore, the notification he would receive for the payment going through also gets sent to his wife, which I'm sure is something you'd think he'd know if they've got a shared bank account. If this story is true, of course, alleged. I, I believe that uh, rumour was so, dispelled in the last 24 hours. So is all well, you know what? But- He's fake. I hope so because... <sighs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, we might move on to judiciary news. Barney, I might get you to see if you can try to get your microphone off the coffee table and see if you've got somewhere else you might be able to pop it for a bit. I think it's picking up a bit of the bumping going on. I'm going to go and get rid of the dog. That would also help. Uh, Judiciary news. Helam Lukey, it was the only real judiciary news out of the week. One he copped a week for his uh, shot last time. Uh, Injuries. Dynamis Louis, the big one from Canberra. Looks like a week or two. Uh, beyond the obvious, uh, this round, I believe a whole bunch of stars have been named to return. Long-term injuries, Reed Marnie and uh, 
<coughs> whoever else as Barney disappears into the garage ether. Uh, signing news, the only one, <laughs> any real signing news, Manly have um, re-signed Croker and Harper for a couple of years uh, as well as Kieran Foran for next year. And uh, Jermaine, which are both, I guess, astute signings, and Jermaine Tanua Brown has signed a three-week deal with the Dragons uh, before he'll return to the Warriors. Uh, so not a great deal of news you wise there, um, Oli and Barn, do you have any other news I, I've missed out? Not really. And I don't think in terms of signing news, at least we'll get anything possibly for at least the next month until clubs are aware what's going on with this COVID situation and the whole Queensland bubble. I feel like clubs, most of them will probably stall any contract negotiations for the moment uh, while we get settled into this bubble and get moving with that, uh, especially with players from other clubs. Maybe a couple of re-signings, but personally, I don't think we'll see uh, many transfers, I guess you could say, going on during this time. Well, if nothing else, it makes it easier for them to uh, loan and uh, have short-term contracts, I yep. suppose. But, yeah, I guess we'll see how that all pans out. Uh, should we get into the match reviews, the four matches to review from round 17? We kick off Thursday night where the Raiders 30 were um, – Pretty dominant over an average uh, Manly Seagulls. Barney, do you want to run us through some stats? Yeah, mate. So it was three tries to five. Two out of three conversions played five out of five for the Raiders. 71% completion played 90%. 27 out of 38 sets for Manly played 43 out of 48 for Canberra. 145 plus post-contact metres for the Raiders. Five line breaks to four. 29 tackle busts to 34. Eight offloads to 11. Eight forced dropouts by the Raiders. Kicked them to death there at a stage in this game. 0 40 20s. 382 tackles played 288. Four ruck infringements to three. Two inside the 10 by Manly, one by the Raiders. One penalty conceded to six from the Raiders. 14 errors to seven. Croker made 59 tackles. Hodgson with 42. Garrick 171 metres. And Tappany with 234 metres. Lawton made 42 tackles, missed six. Garrick made eight and missed four. And Foran made 15 and missed four. Uh, Sebastian Chris missed seven and Williams missed five. So there's a few miss there. Williams with 104 supercoach points. Walker and Gula both with 84 supercoach points. Yeah, um, I thought both the halves from Canberra were actually pretty good. I thought Frawley was pretty good too um, for the yes. limited exposure I suppose he had. Uh, but I, I actually thought his stats would have been much better than just looking at him now. Maybe it's just some key <laughs> grubbers and kicks that he got out of it. Um, for me, it was uh, – we'll start with Canberra. <coughs> Maybe we should start with Man actually because – they were pretty were pretty average, and I know they were missing two key players, obviously Tommy Turbo one, uh, as well as Jake, actually. But um, their middle was very, very ordinary, I thought, for 60 minutes of that match, and you can't – can you blame Tommy for any of that? I know he probably organises some of that defence for the middle, but I thought that was very average. Um, and doesn't he look make those outside backs look like stars when he plays? Because uh, Saab and uh, – Reverend Garrick were both looked uh, a lot like their form from the first three rounds without him because they they yeah, didn't have great games at all. Uh, I thought Dylan Walker was pretty good. Uh, Ola Katow we flagged last week and he lived up to most of our hype, I thought. Uh, beyond that, there's not a great deal I want to talk about from the Manly side of things, Barney. 
Oh, well, for the first 15 minutes, I thought I was worried for the Raiders. Um, mm. I thought Manly were well on top for that first 15 minutes in this game. And um, they probably should have had two tries. They sort of bombed that one that, um, that they missed on the in the edge there. But, um, yeah, but the, especially considering how Manly was struggling with the ball in their hands. Like, they, they their attack was constantly breaking down. And a big part of that was Walker in the halves just trying to find his groove. Um, well, there was no fifth tackle. Running he, 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 yeah, once yeah. he started running, he looked better. But there was no kick uh, plan in, in action at all. No, that's right. Um, Foran did take over the kicking at different parts, but they did struggle with their, their fifth tackle options. And um, as I said, I was getting quite worried there for the Raiders because Manly were bad and they were still sort of punching holes in them at different points. But then the, the Raiders just, for, the, for one of the only times this season, they went back to what, what their strength is, their pack. And they just started running direct uh, and Played up tempo actually for quite a big part of this game, which is, and which they haven't been doing most of this year. And then off the back of their big men punching holes, the the little blokes around the ruck, Williams and his Starlings, cashed in, and they got a couple of quick tries there. And then once they got the momentum, they just didn't let it didn't let it back. There was a point there for about forty minutes where they just kept getting the ball back. They kept rolling it in and getting forced dropouts. And isn't it amazing said, what happens uh, when you day. actually just play for repeat sets? That's all for all he did for probably I think ten minutes. All he did was he, mm-hmm. he had no other play but a grubber, and that's what broke Manly's back. And I've been saying it for weeks after every Penrith game. I don't understand why more teams aren't trying the same way. Yeah, uh, and um. You know, they just played down. The, they didn't really go out of that three-quarter mark on the, each side of the field. They didn't stretch right to the edges very often, but they just killed them through that middle part there. The, um, the One of the highlights has to be the Falcon from <laughs> from, Mo, from Moses that led directly to a try for yeah. Sebastian Cruz. But uh, what about yourself, Ollie? What would you think? Uh, yeah, well, in terms of Canberra's performance, I was pretty impressed with both hookers. Um, Josh Hodgson, probably one of his best games for a while. Tom Starling, sort of back to the type of performance he would have had towards the end of last season. Um, and I thought a couple of standout forwards um, really got them on the front foot as well. You're talking Ryan Sutton and off the bench, Joseph Tarbany, what an impact player off the bench he proved to be in this one. But yeah, Manly just didn't match those blokes. And that's the thing, maybe in other games where Canberra have been up against probably a, a more well-structured defensive opposition, they don't get the opportunity to do that or get snuffed out at least by half time, whereas Manly just let Canberra roll on with it and let him walk all over the top of him. Those two players, especially, it was yeah easily Tarpane's best game of the year. Uh, that was back to his form at the end of last year. And uh, I don't know if they've necessarily decided Tom. St- I think they've basically, and I don't know why more teams don't do it, but Tom Starling was sensational, but he hasn't had many minutes for a month. Uh, and uh, whether that's sort of looking after Josh Hodgson or whatever. But the templates there as well, I know um, talk about stealing some stuff from Penrith, but isn't a template there to how to use Starling with Cheese and Harry Grant? Just bring him on and have him rolling through and playing off each other as opposed to having one or the other. Um, yeah, well, Hodgson went back into sort of played half mm. half lock sort of position and he did it quite well. Um, yeah. He does look pretty good in that position. He can seems to control the play a bit, which is good, which yep. is something they need. Uh, yes. Um, so, sorry, John. As you as you mentioned, um, there was the big men from Manly. They the, their defence was quite poor. It was alarming at times. It was back as you said from the first four, three or four rounds of the the comp where they were just missing tackles that they shouldn't have. There was nineteen missed tackles by the starting pack. 
from Manly compared to seven from the Raiders. Like, that's just giving the opposition a massive leg up. And as I mentioned before, the eight the eight force dropouts is massive. You get the ball back eight eight at eight different stages and get another repeat set. That's just you know you're doing everything you can to win the game by doing that. So yeah, uh, just to make, I don't want to really pod him too much, but uh, Foran was pretty average. I thought some decision making when they did have that ball early on. Uh, they, like you said, they mm-hmm. probably should have led early, and uh, both halves are a bit disappointing there. Um, much else to add? Uh, do we just write this off for Manly and just forget about it and assume they'll go back to what they need to be next week and the week after, or is it uh, a bigger concern than that? Oh, you'd, you'd, I'll give this one as a, as the bad week, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'll be looking for when Tommy comes back, but I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that middle defence because um, if that continues to happen, then that's something that's, um, you know, well, it's, it's not going to help you. Absolutely not. Uh, in Canberra, uh, is it a is this a tick? Is it an anomaly on both sides? Is it something to build on? They seem to have been building towards this for the last couple of weeks. They've been slightly better each week for probably the last three weeks. I think the Raiders, um, and they've they're going to have to play this hey, way. They got, I think they because lost they like forty last week, but yeah, I know what you're saying. No, no, but they've been tougher through the middle. You know what I mean? They've been sort of trying to build their game plan to play this way because. That, they struggle at the moment getting the ball wide, uh, realistically. They don't have the guy that throws the big cutout passes or they, they don't seem to link up with their man at the back to get the sweet plays. And yeah. This is – that was my next question, is uh, the 5'8 that didn't play the concern? Jack White. Well, he hasn't been good all year. No. I don't think I've he's stood out in any game that I've seen Given, him play. You'd almost you'd be tempted. I haven't even looked this. You'd be tempted to name him in the centres, wouldn't you? Uh, and try and get his running keep game the back halves. and keep your yeah, halves possibly. together. And then they said yeah. Williams all but took them to a grand final. Remember they were doing that weird thing where they were swapping the halfback yes. every week, uh, and he got him. Oh, um, Caesar ended up there for the last half of the season. Well, I think it, so. it was. It was right in the, in the verge of the finals because even like round twenty odd, they were saying they were, he hadn't decided. But uh, but yeah, it, was, it was season. It was season. But he got them a long way towards that, uh, and he was fine. Yeah. He's you know he's a good little tradesman. He's got a good short kicking game, short passing game. But um, they they really they'd love somebody who can throw that big cutout ball. They don't yeah. just don't seem to have it at the moment. No, no, and um, even their other fullback options don't really provide that, do they? Um, they haven't. <laughs> Anyway, uh, three points Tarpane, two points uh, maybe Starling or one of the halves. Uh, the only one from Manny I'd even mention would be uh, Ola Katow, but um, yes, had you, but had I've left him out. Yeah. I, had, I had Williams with three. Okay. Um, Tarpane with two and then either Hodgson or Sutton for one. Is your dog now in a washing machine? No, Jenny's just oh, okay. the missus has just fair entered enough. the man cave. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah, so Ollie, what do you think? Uh, well, I would have gone Tarpane three personally. I would have gone Starling two and Sutton one. Uh, we'll go three three Tarpane, two Williams, one Starling. How is that? Fair sure. Enough. Let's get to Friday night. Uh, the uh, Rabbitohs 46 putting the. Uh, the brushes through the Cowboys, uh, who were very, very average. Um, funny stats. Yeah, we had um, South with eight tries, Cowboys with three, five out of eight conversions, and two out of three for the Cowboys. Two penalty goals for Souths, 
out of two attempts and one out of one for the Cowboys. 81% completion played 77. 34 out of 42 sets played 23 out of 30. 340 plus post contact meters by South compared to the Cowboys. Eight line breaks to two. 24 tackle busts played 22. Eight offloads apiece. Three force dropouts for Souths. 287 tackles played 388. Two ruck infringements to three, one inside the 10 to zero from the Cowboys, one penalty conceded to four, eight errors to 10, and a sin bin to the Cowboys. Uh, Mamazoulis with 35 tackles, Robson with 40, Burns with 183 metres, and uh, Tomalolo with 188. Burgess missed four, didn't miss four. Uh, Milne had 131 super coach. Points, Walker with 130, AJ with 130, and then Tomalolo with 87. Uh, well, very quickly, uh, is there anyone we need to even talk about from the Cowboys bar? Tomalolo was pretty good. Um, the rest Tomalolo. Of them were very, very good. <laughs> uh, it was. Rawson was okay, I thought. Yeah, he, he, um, he's a good player. Well, South, we, we sort of knew what was going to happen coming in. It's exactly what happened. They had no answers. Uh, when Walker spread wide, they they uh, rushed up and in. When they rushed up and in, he was stayed inside. He um, pretty much had them, you know, played them like a fiddle. And uh, we got what we what we got. Johnston's in sensational form. Uh, the right side looked pretty good a lot of the game as well. He was going both sides of the field. Um it was pretty easy to watch if you were backing South, and uh, I, I don't really know how much to further analyse, to be honest, Barney. Do you have any more takeaways? <laughs> I thought it was probably an arm wrestle for the first 10. Um, the Cowboys sort of were in there, it was just back and forward, field position. And then um, I thought the Cowboys actually took over for the next 10 or 15 minutes and were the better team leading up until about the 25-minute mark in this game. Um, just on the back of Tom Alolo going through the middle, um, did and got the, the first try off a kick. And then, um, oh, that Tomalolo bust up the middle where they we, they, they actually set up that second try for him and they were they were well in, well in front. Yeah. But then um, did and had a brain explosion, I'm pretty sure, and kicked one out in the full. And then it just returned from there and Souths took over in the middle. As soon as they got the ascendancy in the middle, the Cowboys decided to compress their defence, which is probably something you don't want to do against Souths. And then Walker just had his way and just threw – man, he threw some really good passes. That first try with um, Alex Johnson, that kick back inside, that was really nice. I enjoyed watching that one. But there were some spectacular tries in this game. And as soon as Tamalo – it was when Tamalo came off, realistically. They were leading 12-4 to four and then Souths put on four tries in the 20 minutes he was off the field. Yeah. Their middle just went to shit. Uh, they were getting no metres in attack and in defence they were all over the place. So he makes such a big difference. Uh, I think they've just got to go back to giving him 80 minutes. If he doesn't finish his 10-year contract, just fucking too bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ollie, any takeaways? Uh, I was really impressed with South Sydney's back five, which is something we usually say most weeks, but considering Latrell and Dane Gagai are out, um, is, you know, quite a good feat and I guess a testament to the bit of depth that they have there. Uh, Blake Taff at fullback, um, a shout-out to him, the young bloke coming through. He did have some rap, some raps on him last year as well as South Sydney were coming off their jersey flag um, grand well, final appearance. They're they won. Him to take round spot, aren't they? Is he the one? I, I believe so. Him or Dean Hawkins. Um, I think it's a bit of a battle between them two. They've both had sort of an audition at different times this season thus far. Of course, Blake Taft playing fullback. Um, that really 
takes that bit out of the equation, at least for now. But yeah, I, I was just really impressed with his performance as well. I know that they were versing also an understrength Cowboys side, but to be able to put them to the sword like that. And again, you can only play what's in front of you. So good on the young bloke for having a, a great performance as Barney drops out seemingly for a second. Uh, I still have my concerns about um, how Souths stack up, their forwards will stack up against the real top forward backs. I think they can still be bashed out of the game as has been shown. Uh, I don't, yeah, this doesn't lead. I don't think this changes any opinion I have on the rest of the comp. Uh, three points, Cody Walker. I think that's pretty obvious. Two points, yeah. uh, what we say, AJ? One point, take your pick. Um, Barney? Yeah, I had two for AJ and I had one point for either Tane Milne or Tomalolo. Ollie? I was very much impressed by Tane Milne, but you can't go past Tomalolo. Okay, not going to Yeah, I think that's probably one of his better games of the year, Tomalolo, to be honest. He was um, was impressive. I'm not going to argue that one. All right, let's get to the Saturday night game, which was the Bulldog 16 getting close to the Roosters 22. Um, A bit of a not the greatest game of all time, but uh, Bulldogs are plucky. Uh, Barney Stats. Yeah, so we had the three tries to four, two out of three conversions for the Dogs and two out of four for the Roosters. Uh, one penalty out of one attempt for the Roosters. 84% completion by the Bulldogs, 73 by the Roosters. 31 out of 37 sets played 34 out of 45. One line break to five, 24 tackle bust to 34, five offloads apiece, one force dropout for both teams. 367 tackles played 348. Six ruck infringements to four, four inside the 10 to one, Three penalties conceded by the Dogs, one by the Roosters. Seven errors to 13. Jackson made 56 tackles. Radley with 47. Nick Meaney with 148 metres and Manu with 290 metres. Woodell missed five. Um, Hetherington, four. And Smith made nine tackles and missed four. Uh, Ikevalu with 83 supercoach points. Satili Tupanua with 80. And Josh Jackson with 76. Yeah, what do we say about this? It, roosters are, are, I think, at the bottom of the barrel. Like they're just on empty. They're getting through. Their mm. forward pack's still ticking over pretty well, though. Um, JWH, Takiaho, or yeah, Wira Hargrove's been sensational. Um, Ta- Tupanua looked dangerous every time he touched the ball. Uh, a couple of nice yep. um, tackle busts and uh, runs there. Takiaho's getting back to close to his best. Beyond that, um, you know, they had enough class, even though not playing well, to, to win the comp. Manu chimed in, oh, 290 run metres is massive, actually, just looking at that. Um, <laughs> chimed in when he needed to, and they just had more points from than the Bulldogs, but uh, the Roosters are now sort of heading closer to bottom of the top eight than the, than the top of it now, in my humble Ollie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we talk about uh, the recent blowouts controversy and everything going on with that, and I'll give a shameless plug to an article I wrote a couple of days ago for Everything Rugby League, um, sort of detailing the actual reason behind, I guess, the blowouts and why they're probably not as big as a of a concern as people think. And you look at the effort the Bulldogs put into this game. I, I know the Roosters are under strength, but they showed up as well. And it just goes to show that the team's lower on the ladder. The biggest thing they're lacking a lot of the time is effort. And if they put in effort, yeah, they're not going to win these games, but they don't get beat by 40 points. Um, and I think that's what we saw here. If the Roosters were at full strength, sure, they beat the Dogs by a bit more. 
probably by about 20. But with with that effort that they put in, they should they certainly won't wouldn't be getting a, an absolute cricket score put on them. I thought it was interesting too. Um, of course, on last week's podcast and on the clip, some people may have seen on Facebook. I talked about how Luke Thompson was going to leave after about 50 minutes because he was sick um, sick of not getting any help. Well, I, I thought he actually got plenty of help in this game and got to have a, a, a bit of a rest. With that being said, he still ran for 100 metres. But, you know, the likes of a Jack Heverington stepped up. He's been all right lately, I reckon. Um, and then my man, Joseph Manu. I mean, the, the thing with the Roosters is they may be at the bottom of the battle uh, barrel and they have injuries, but there's usually always like one player who has a freakishly huge performance every week. It was Teddy for a little while last year when Luke Keary... Uh, was out at least at first, um, and it looks like it's Joey Manu. By last week's poor performance, uh, most weeks he's been stepping up big time for him. Your takeaways, Barn? Yeah, he loves it when he goes back to fullback, that bloke. Someone should sign him as a fullback. I think we may have mentioned that a couple yeah. of times before. <laughs> but, um, well, after eight minutes, I thought it was just going to be what we, what we all expected, dogs getting done by about 30 points, you know what I mean? Because the Roosters put on two quick tries and it just looked like the dogs' defence was going to fall apart as it has done so many times during this season. But it didn't. They fought it. They they stuck, in, they stuck to their game. They fought hard. Um, Lachlan Lewis actually had some very nice touches, especially that first little chip and chase on the second tackle. And um, Manu's hands gave him a second try there where Manu dropped it on the line and he just dived on it. But um, they were super tough in this game. And if they do that, they they can win more games than they'll, you know, get flogged by, that's for sure. Um, The Roosters probably could have lost this game and probably deserved to lose it with just with their ball handling. Um, The last couple of weeks, their middle defence has been a little bit soft and, and their ball handling's been off for probably three or four weeks now. And um, they dropped the ball at some crucial times, bombed a try or two, and um, the Dogs, if they could have executed a little bit better, could have and should have won this game, I thought. Um, it was there for the taking, but uh, they, the, the Roosters just did enough to hang on. Yeah, well, Realistically, got that bit of extra X factor that the Dogs don't have. So You don't often see the stats so one-sided in terms of running metres and, and they'd be so close. Um it's. Yeah. Uh, I thought Ogden actually. We like we mentioned Ogden probably his best game in first grade. He, he wasn't too bad. Uh, mm. The slow. The other thing, just noticing here, and uh, I don't know exactly what it means, but just the the average play the ball speed of all the Roosters is very slow uh, compared to a lot of teams, yeah. and maybe yeah, I'm sure conditions played a bit of a part in that. But yeah, I think they sort of were, were grinding through in a in a. I don't know, neutral is necessarily the word, but grinding through in a low gear and um, they got the two points, they'll they'll move on, but uh, that's probably, this is what we've got to expect from them until at least they get Tedesco back and and maybe, a, you know, one or two other um, bodies towards the back end of the season. I thought Radley's return was pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. When he, yeah, when he, he was pretty strong in the middle and put on some nice hits. And, yeah, I think Manu was probably the reason they won the game, excuse me, to be honest. I think he was the one that sort of dragged them through to get this game. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, and we probably should touch on it. I, I have no uh, – you know, I don't really like it. just looks <laughs> stupid. But the last play of the game, Barn? Yeah, as you said, it looks stupid. It's um, Realistically, it's clever. It's, you know, a way of taking the game out of the opposition's hands without giving them any chance whatsoever. Um, I got as much. Probably a got a wrap over the knuckles for it. But I, I got a, I got as much a kick out of Robbo's face as, as anything. So. <laughs> Ollie, any thought on that? We will get to it when I bring up my peanut of the week. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but end of the day, 
there was no, to me no harm done. As you know, he probably, yeah. if anything, misjudged the clock by twenty seconds. Uh, he got down the other in the field a bit quicker than he probably wanted to. But um, yeah, Robbo would have had a word, and and they'll all move on. He probably handled as, it. Um, as Ollie said, the Thompson did get some good help here. I thought Woodell and um, Josh Jackson were super strong as well, as you mentioned, Ogden. Um, their pack was really good. But, um, yeah, just not quite good enough, to be honest. Uh, well, three points, Manu, two points, Tupanua, one point, JWH, or are you looking at that differently? I had JWH with three. Yep. Um, and then Manu with two. <laughs> And then either Walker, Jackson, Thompson, any of other five or six players for the one. Uh, even Lewis, you probably are in that conversation. Um, yeah. Ollie? Oh, well, I would have had Manu three, JWH two, and then sort of take your pick for one. So I think as long as for me, we've got Manu and JWH with the three and the two. Um yeah. Okay. Uh, um, I'm sorry. That's very. Yeah. No. Three. Yeah. Three. W. J. W. H. Two. Manu and yep. one. Taki. Uh, two. Panua. Yep. Actually, the the signing news we didn't mention was Matt Dufty to the Bulldogs for a year, um, which potentially leaves the Bulldogs with uh, a back five, I suppose, of Dufty, uh, Fox, Allen, Kotrick. Uh, who else? There's another signing of it coming in there. Oh, okay. Naden. Naden. Fox. Yeah. So it's a, an explosive, potentially explosive back five they may have next year. And if their forwards do a job similar to this, not necessarily a dominant forward performance, but if they can find some effort, you know, there may be hope there that they're going to finish higher than 12th. Any thoughts uh, on the Dufty signing itself or wait and see? That'd be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, it will be. I can honestly still see the Bulldogs finishing in the bottom four with those players in the back because it's not about who you sign. And I think they showed it this year. It's how well they gel together and sort of the effort that you put put in on the field. I'm not convinced that we'll get that effort consistently like we saw the other night next season. So it all comes down to that for me. Yeah, no, fair enough. Nothing to add, Barn. No, not really, mate. I'm, I'm more worried about their halves and how they gel than uh, their outside backs. Well, who, They've had some pretty good outside backs already, and that hasn't helped them too much. So, who do you, who would you have partnering Burton? That's a question because um, I'd, I'd probably have Avarillo, but um, he's not realistically a seven. So, you'd be having, I'd, I'd probably be pushing Burton into seven. And, um, <laughs> making him control the game, but they don't have an out-and-out controlling half, so no. it's, a, it's a difficult one. They Well, yeah, he's almost starting to feel in that team like a 14 now, Avarillo. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll worry about that in all of our f- preview shows uh, in, tw- in six months' time. <laughs> uh, Sharks 20 defeated the Warriors 12 uh, at uh, – where were they playing? Newcastle? Yeah, uh, Jubilee, they're still open. Uh, how yeah, does the stats look? Three tries to two, three out of three conversions for the Sharks, two out of two for the Warriors, and a penalty goal for the Sharks. 83% completion played 79, 38 out of 46 sets played 30 out of 38. Three line breaks to two, 21 tackle busts for the Sharks, 28 for the Warriors, nine offloads to 18, five force dropouts for Cronulla, 280 tackles played 413, one ruck infringement to two, zero inside the 10 by the Sharks, one by the Warriors, five penalties conceded by the Sharks, 11 by the Warriors, 11 errors to 10, Tolman with 43 tackles, Egan with 59, Rudolph with 169 metres and Reese Walsh with 195. Tracy missed four tackles and made 
12, Walsh made three and missed two. Trindle with 84 supercoach points. Roger Tuovasashek with 75 and Tolman with 68. I thought the Warriors started uh, really strongly in this game and the Sharks were slow and sluggish to start this game. And their line speed, again, was poor. I thought I was thinking there was shades of the game before when they got beaten by the Broncos last week. But um, they picked up their tempo. They started getting up off their line and it made a massive difference. And they started to control a bit of field position. And once they got down there, they they kept the ball for about 25 minutes, I think, in that first half. And that just led to points. It was just pressure and uh, their constant force drop and constant pressure from the Sharks. There wasn't anything super special in their attack. There was a couple of nice little moves that led to points, but nothing over the top. Um, and then ULE just running over the top of poor old Reese Walsh as he got thrown over the try line. Um, but the Warriors sort of shot themselves in the foot more than anything else. The next 15 minutes of the first half, they were well and truly on top. And they had that nice set move for Roger to score um, next to the posts. And I thought they were going to run away with it. I thought the Sharks were going to um, capitulate. And the Warriors did have the better of the field position and the better of the game, but they just kept making mistakes at crucial times. They, they seemed to make mistakes more than anybody else right when they don't need to make mistakes like when they're on the attack when they're in good ball they just seem to drop it put it down and they then the other team turns around and pushes back up the other end so realistically I thought the Sharks hung on and did just enough to win it but the Warriors probably should have run away with it in that second half Ollie? No, yeah I've got to agree uh, at, at the end of the day I think Cronulla's well, sort of the back five and the forwards sort of ran over the top of him, I think, and that's what got it done in the end, that bit more effort. Whereas the Warriors, it was more your individual standouts, at least in attack. You had your uh, Roger Tulvasashek and Reese Walsh. And in defence, surprisingly, I was quite happy with the defensive effort of Rocco Berry in the centres. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd single him out because we've been talking about all year the lack of defensive centres and the poor defensive performances pretty much across the league from centers. And that was probably one of the better performances of the year in, t- in terms of defense. But yeah, honestly, it, it could have gone either way in the end. Um, at times it looked like the Warriors were going to get it done. But the interesting thing for me is that the Warriors were looking like a, I guess a moral for seventh or eighth for a little while there. And all of a sudden now they've dropped five straight Um they're not a team who usually gets flogged. As I sent to you guys during the week, if the war- if every team had won each game that they had lost by six points or less, the Warriors would be fourth. Um, so obviously, hey, do- doesn't matter in the end because they didn't get it done, but it just goes to show how bad they are at closing out games um, or honestly just getting the job done in the end and to be it looks like it's going to cost them a spot in the finals. Well, even in this game, when they were they were had the momentum back and were, were making were steaming downfield, O'Sullivan was happy to kick the touch. Um, if about it was probably about eight or nine to go, and and try and defend their way back in, and it just doesn't work. They they play this weird defensive football when they're not in a team to defend in a in a spot to defend a score, or even um, when they're not even in front. Sometimes. Um, I, I'm not sold on him. I, I still think RTS needs a touch of ball more, and I would almost be trying to play Walsh in the halves and have RTS at, at fullback. I think they miss because when he got when RTS got involved when he needed him, he's he's always there. He was tremendous again, but they miss a trick um, 
not having him touch the ball as much. Reese Walsh looked sensational for the first um, 20 minutes of the game uh, and uh, he will be a star. But I just think right now if they want to actually make the finals, they need to play a bit of right now football. Um, yeah, like I thought Warriors were going to really tear away um, for 20 minutes. They looked really sharp. They, they weren't panicking. They were in control. And, yeah, they just stopped. Um, I don't know what more to say. They were the Warriors. I thought uh, just on the Sharks, Sean Johnson, uh, you could see he was making a concerted effort to really touch the ball three times every set. Uh, he was everywhere. He was probably their best, I'd say. They do. The more you see Tracy, the more you see Trindle Barn, are you happy with what you see there? Uh, Trindle's still a bit of a uh, still jury's still out on Trindle for me to be honest. Um, he seems to lose his head when he's under pressure, uh, and his kicking game's not the best. But um, it's definitely a work in progress. He could could potentially be something. He's strong enough as a half in defense and running the ball. But uh, yeah, just, he's, he's just bigger his, than um, I thought. He, he's uh, he's yeah. a good size about him. Yeah. Just that execution with his kicking game and that, that crisp passing game is um there's a few question marks on that. Um Tracy he looks like he, he's a serious footballer that bloke. Um would have been good to see how how he would would have progressed if he didn't have, you know, three or four years on the sideline with busted knees. But mm. um he's he's had a bit of time this year and last year and he's looked quite good when he's been out there. Um I was disappointed in the Sharks where that they basically just packed up shop in the second half. Um I don't think a center or a winger touched the ball in the second half realistically it did, if it did it went to maybe Connor Tracy and he ran back in field anyway so they did their wingers didn't get involved at all um, pretty much all game except for trucking it off their own line which um, they, they've got some those two wingers are really good finishers and yeah I would have liked to have seen them get a few more opportunities but they uh, they left the attack in the kit bag at half time he's got a pumpkin in the bag doesn't he Ronaldo he gets he can get a little bit fiery <laughs> he, gets, he gets a bit fiery yeah um, he does yeah yeah, it, it, is it also disappointing uh, that Woods and Tolman have been your best forwards? We thought this time last year, we thought Rudolph and Talakai were going to be superstars, and it feels like mm-hmm. they haven't been superstars. Uh, and I thought I, I thought Tolman is probably your best in this case. Uh, and, yeah, Tolman was the best in this game. And, uh, um, Rudolph's been pretty good. I, I think you might be a little bit harsh on Rudolph there. I true. think he's been pretty good true. this year. He's been probably been one of the best three every week. Um, Talakai, yeah, he has been quite disappointing. He had some really good, tough runs in this game. Uh, this was probably one of his better games out of the season. But um, obviously, since that, because he only came back at the back end, of, like what, halfway through the year, and then got suspended in his first game, was gone for four weeks. He's been back for four or five weeks now. Um, he seems to be getting slightly better each game, but I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's not fit enough, or they just don't have enough trust in him. They just don't seem to go to him that often to be honest well, uh, in defence he's solid but but neither back they don't really play that play to because Nakora used to be a try a real try scorer and he doesn't get the it was a year and a half ago that's all they did was hit Nakora on that inside yeah. line or the outside line and yeah, they don't go to him much the ball at all now. Uh, yeah. between the two of them. So I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what, where that leaves them next year because it'll be a completely different structure but um we need to make mention of the try the the try scoring celebration of try July, uh, absolutely yes. outstanding working punch from uh, 
Brandon uh, Hamlin Ueli and a great bump from uh, Jack Williams. And apparently they've got a, a reprise in store. So uh, there's a, if, oh, right. if Williams scores, he's got something up his sleeves as well. So fingers crossed we see that in the next two weeks. Uh, any comments well, watching on Watching it live, man, I absolutely like, I absolutely lost my mind watching it live. I thought, <laughs> what the fuck is he doing hitting his own player? <laughs> Just because that first angle on Fox was up from, from the bottom of the ground up. <sighs> Mm. And um, you couldn't really see like the contact or anything. You just saw the shorts run past, and then he grab him and throw. And I've gone, oh fuck, he's knocked his own player out. But <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. It was the best one we've seen for a long time. Yeah. Ollie, anything to add? It'll be played for years. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Ollie, you uh, no. had you rate the the working punch from Brandon, Braden? No, it was good. Might might get a shot. Um, shot in the Fed one day, as they say. But just the prediction for Williams' re- uh, receipt, I guess you could say. Uh, Hamlin, Hamlin Newelli hit him with a people's elbow, so he's got to fire back with a stone-cold stunner. I, I think that's I think that's the obvious. Uh, I think, yeah, the stunner's coming if he gets a chance. All right. Uh, your – oh, three, two, one. Uh, three, Johnson take a okay, that's tough after that two tolman or and one maybe rts walsh um, i had sj3 rts2 and tolman one yep or egan no Just that works egan was good tackles. um no yeah you're i'm with you bun happy with that ollie yeah all right have you got a peanut of the week I do have a peanut of the week. It's not from a post of my own. It's a post uh, of Rugby League Gurus. Shout out to him. And he actually outed a few peanuts um, and uploaded some comments and spoke about how stupid they were. It's about the Sam Walker situation. Look, at the end of the day, it didn't cost his team the game. So it's okay. It's a bit stupid. If it had to cost his team the game, would have been disastrous. But at the end of the day, it didn't. And people are overreacting way too much because rugby league fans don't want any happiness in their life and have just got to be angry about everything, even little things like this, which sure, yeah, we can admit it was stupid. But, um, for example, can't wait till karma gets you for being an absolute flog. Mm. Um Media gives you a little bit of hype and you think you have the right to be cocky, you little gronk, well done, wanker, the whole NRL can't stomach you. Um, you're a fucking tool, mate. Nice job tonight. You're a dog and pull your head in. It's not high school footy, mate. Show some class and professionalism, which I guess that last one, well, it can be taken as a, a, a bit less peanut-ish, but, yeah, the rest of them have been, honestly, and I was – I. I wish I could have screenshotted the comment, but I, I saw a comment and apparently there are a couple more people saying they hope he breaks his leg and stuff like that, which come, I mean, it's yeah, it was stupid. Let's leave it at that. Come on. In fairness, all of those comments could be said about me after a night at the Grey Gums. So, uh, whatever. Do we have a slap of the week? I'll let Barney go first because I'm still oh, thinking okay. all right. Got, uh, uh, I've used it, but Jai Arrow, honestly. Mine is a uh, performance-based one. It's Tom Dearden. Um, 
it wasn't a bad game by any means, but when he fucks up, he fucks up hard. Like he doesn't just make him as the he'll he'll drop a ball with the line wide open. He'll kick the thing out on the full by twenty meters, and if he can get that massive blow up out, of, massive mistake out of his game, he he could go a long way in, as a first grader. But yeah, he, there was a couple of really big mistakes on the weekend. Ollie. All right, this is just purely stupid, me being a peanut. Flat <laughs> the NRL for not creating the Queensland NRL Dome, making a big structure with multiple fields in it for teams to play in, have a base there, have like a little hotel, and have just this massive technologically advanced arena, no fans in it. You just LED screens everywhere. Just robot just, yeah. I'm going to slap you next time. Right, well, Looks like a WrestleMania <laughs> like and just have the teams play there. Can you imagine uh, all again, the holes in around the, the side of it where they've tried to dig holes to get women in? Like, honestly. Last two days, it'll be two days there'll be a, a biosecurity breach. <laughs> I guess to put a, a serious um, sort of a, a twist on this is that, you know, watching games in empty stadiums or rarely full stadiums the past couple of weeks isn't the most entertaining thing. I still love my footy and I'm still going to watch the games, but it would be cool to see something being, you know, shaken up a bit or doing something a little different. Obviously moving the games to Queensland, they are going to have crowds there, so that's fine. But purely a weird part of my brain thought the other day, what if they just built this facility for all the games to take place in and it was just done up to the max and it just looked awesome. And it would probably cost a lot more money than it's costing the NRL (laughs) to have all the teams in Queensland right now, which is a lot of money. So I'm purely just being a peanut. All right. Well, there's three minutes of my life. I won't get back. Um, Do we have a – you can have pot plan of the week too, Ollie, for that comment. Uh, Do we have a pot plan? Uh, I'll give. I'll just in honor of Gump. Actually, I'll go first. Cohen Hess. Um, <laughs> he can. He was very average again. I thought, and uh, he can be this week's pot plant for me, uh, Ollie. And you say you say that one day after he's been called into the Queensland squad oh. as cover. Some of those, they must watch different games to us sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm going to go one extra. I'm going to pot plant the Cowboys as a whole. Obviously they didn't have a full strength squad uh, either and they were going up against far superior competition, but the Cowboys side that we watched on the weekend compared to the side that we were watching five weeks ago is just, yeah, far and away completely different. Fun. I've gone with Jason Saab. Um, he, he had, the whole time he, had eight, he, had, no, he had eight runs and he didn't look like he wanted to run the ball at all. He did say looked scared to be tackled at times. Uh, 51 metres. He got a tackle bus, but he made four tackles and he made four errors as well. Um, and a couple of them were in good ball and try scoring positions as well. So I think that's the third time I've got him this year. So <laughs> why not? Uh, and finally, slap of the week, Ollie. Uh, salute. Sorry, let's finish. Sorry. Salute. I am going to salute the families of every player in the NRL, whether they are going to be traveling with them to this new bubble or staying behind. Um, you know, we, we, we tend to just think about the players, but this affects the livelihoods of their families too. You know, if some of the families are going as well, this might mean the wives need to take time off work, um, et cetera, things like that. It uproots their life as well. And if they're staying at home and they got a, a family, well, then you're a single parent for at least the next month. Who knows how long? Um, so I'll salute to the families. And I hope for every single one of them that it this does not 
impact them too hard in a negative way. Uh, well said, Ollie. Uh, I'll give just for an on-field yeah, point, mate. performance. We'll um, I'm actually going to – I'll salute the Sharks, actually, because we'd written them off six weeks ago. They've now won five out of six, and barring that one pretty uh, pretty ordinary performance against the Brisbane Broncos um, – they're massively overachieving, in my opinion. So, uh, salute to them. Uh, whether that's good, you know, good luck, good management, or a good draw, not sure. But you know, I w- if you'd said six weeks ago they'd won five of the next six, I would have held that bet. Barney. Well, the, the turnaround in their efforts been amazing, realistically, uh, considering what they're putting out there for a while. Yeah. Uh, oh, the performance of the round, Cody Walker. He was um, absolutely dynamic. Three try assists, 13 runs for 60-odd metres, a tackle bust, five line break assists. He was in everything that um, led to points for the South Sydney team. And um, if he'd stayed on for a little bit longer, he probably would have got a couple more. Yeah, no doubt. He was outstanding. Uh, we'll wrap up. That wraps up our review show. Uh, Footy and Frothies, uh, you can find us, as you hopefully already have, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere good uh, podcasts are found, as well as the Beer Garden Empire YouTube channel. You'll find highlights there and on our socials. Uh, and we'll be back very shortly to look forward to Origin and Round 18.